Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller as always. We're getting you ready for Saints 5-4 and four at Vikings 5-4. and four. And we're bringing in Sam Ekstrom, the executive producer of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. He also hosts a mess of podcasts up there and does play-by-play for Gophers Hockey. How are you doing today, Sam? You staying warm? Doing well, yeah. We're having a nice little fall here in Minnesota. I heard that you might be coming to the game on Sunday. You're going to enjoy some of our beautiful fall weather. So uh, excited to see you and hope you have a good trip. But yeah, we're doing well here. Yeah, you know, it's funny. And I, as I know you, you're close with the, the Gophers program, which one of my favorite mascots, by the way, is the, the Golden Gophers. It's just great. But uh, so I heard Jordan Howden talking in the locker room yesterday and he was, yep. he was getting asked like oh are you excited to go back it's gonna be cold and he was like you don't even know we played <laughs> outside and i do think that's like wild that they like the vikings play indoors so it's like yeah okay it's freezing cold but you don't really deal with it you deal with it on the way to the stadium and on the way out but you know playing outside in that must be wild i think the vikings actually did one that stadium was being built, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the Vikings had two years in the Gopher Stadium while U.S. Yeah. Bank Stadium was going up, and they played some epic games, including the wild card against Seattle, right. where Blair Walsh missed the kick, where oh. it was about negative six wow. actual temp, negative 20 wind chill. That was the Teddy Bridgewater game, right? That was, um, well, Bridgewater was the QB. Yep. Yes. I he would I would say he wasn't the big storyline in that game. That was the Blair Walsh miss sure. um at the end. Right. But but yeah, that that was a Teddy Bridgewater led team. Um and it was I mean December, like college football players don't play outside in December, right? The season ends yeah. by Thanksgiving. Yeah, Vikings played some stupid cold games in that stadium. It's a little nicer now. But Jordan Howden by the way, biggest interception in like the last 30 years of Gophers football when he beat Penn State with an interception a couple of years ago when they were top 10. That was uh, that was huge. Gotcha. Well, yeah, you know, the, the other memory, the other vivid memory I have of Minnesota football, other than the moment, the, the he who must not be named kind of play that we're not going to talk about is uh, the uh, the stadium collapsing. Remember the the the, the bubble stadium kind of yeah the, yep 2010 um yes. the year where everything went wrong like that was only like the fourth craziest thing to happen that year too because <laughs> Brett Favre got caught right. texting photos of oh, private parts and they had a game snowed out in Philadelphia and had to play on a Tuesday they had <laughs> Randy Moss show up and insult a catering staff and then get cut <laughs> the next day like it was. Bizarre, and then yeah, oh yeah, stadium collapsed. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. The, the world was not meant to be in the north. That's all. That's just what I usually say. But okay, let's let's get into this topic. And you know, the question that everyone's asking is, you know, so Josh Dobbs shows up middle of the week. People are calling him the astronaut, right? Like the this guy is just mm-hmm. this really intriguing figure. He's actually teammates with Alvin Kamara in college at Tennessee, and you just you know he's showing his teammates his cadence on the sideline. Then he goes out there and beats the Falcons and. Now, I guess the question is, what's the confidence level in this Vikings team right now? It just feels like this is a team that finds ways to win. It did it all last year. 
even this year, it's like, oh, they lost Justin Jefferson. Suddenly they go on a four game winning streak. So what what is kind of the the key here? Is it all Kevin O'Connell? Like, what's the deal? Yeah, O'Connell deserves his flowers for calling probably his best game as an offensive play caller. I mean, that that was incredible. And he deserves, you know, maybe not as much credit as Dobbs, but a good chunk of that for talking him through what he had to do on the fly in real time. You know who's not confident about the Vikings is Vegas. Vikings are underdogs in their building by two and a half points. And you always look at that with a little healthy skepticism and say, okay, well, why? Why does Vegas feel this way? Because they're usually pretty spot on. And I think it's just sort of a realistic approach to saying, hey, we don't believe in fairy tales here. We believe in probabilities and data. And the probability is is that a, a backup quarterback this fresh in the system is not going to be able to duplicate that for multiple weeks. It'd be naive to say that having an extra week suddenly gives Josh Dobbs a great handle on this offense. It took Kirk Cousins a year to figure out this offense with Kevin O'Connell, and he's very diligent. So I think Dobbs is still in the elementary stages of learning this Kevin O'Connell scheme. There's no way he's going to have it all figured out at this point. And if he can't scramble out of issues the way he did against the Falcons, you know, that was everything. Dobbs got out of so many bad situations with his legs, and I'm not sure that's a sustainable way to look at it. So he's going to have to deliver from the pocket. He's going to have to, you know, execute for a full four quarters now with an opponent game planning against him. And I think that's a tough task. So I understand why the outside confidence might be fairly low. I think internally confidence is high, but we've also seen this Vikings team come off big emotional wins in the past and then have a big letdown the following week. That's kind of human nature. So I'm, I'm walking into this game very cautiously. Um, I think that when you have such a high like you did against Atlanta, it's just natural that you have some regression coming off of that. No, to see Josh Dobbs rushing yards last game is a, a strikes fear into the hearts of who that's because, man, it's been rough for just about any kind of mobile quarterback against the Saints this year. They've been able to, to rack up yardage. But other than that, the Vikings, I know run game has really struggled this season. Obviously, some injuries. But I don't think, uh, obviously, like missing someone like Dalvin Cook right now, you're seeing he hasn't really done anything with the New York Jets. Uh, what's going on with, uh, you know, the the run, the ground attack there in Mini? Boy, I wish I could tell you. Um, Josh Dobbs had the longest run of yeah. any Viking this season last week. They wow. did not have a run of 20 or more yards. They, I knew, and everyone knew, I think, that they were probably downgrading their talent going from Cook to Madison or sort of a timeshare there at running back. And I guess, like you said, Cook hasn't been great in New York either. So they made yeah. the right decision there. And they, they, they figured that, okay, we're going to go cheap here. We're going to try to churn through running backs. We're not going to be that reliant on the run anyway. But it has been really bad at times. Um, I think two weeks ago, they were two yards per carry on the ground. And last week, I thought they were just going to go run, run, pass, run, run, pass the entire game and just punt every time. That's the way it looked early against the Falcons. Alexander Madison has never been explosive. Um, he struggled a little bit with his vision this season, missing holes, missing cutback lanes. You know, they tried Ty Chandler as his backup. And for whatever reason, the coaching staff hasn't really trusted him to get a bigger role. They trade for Cam Akers. He showed some flashes and then tore his Achilles last week. So probably back to Ty Chandler now to try to shake something up because Alexander Madison is he's durable. He can be okay in short yardage. He's not going to explode for you. 
And this offensive line is maybe the most mystifying to me because they were mostly drafted with the intention of being good run blockers by the previous regime. And now in this mid-zone run scheme that they execute, haven't been good run blockers. So I don't know exactly why that drop-off has occurred in this scheme, but it's been a problem. And if you can't run the ball with a backup quarterback, he's not going to be able to get out of third and tens all day. So you're going to have to be more efficient there. Yeah. So, you know, one, one thing that I think Saints fans are, you know, they, they feel like, oh man, it's always us is like, okay, Justin Jefferson had his practice window open this week. We talked about that a little earlier in the podcast, but you know, it's to me, it's like, yeah, he was always going to come back this week in terms of practice. The question is whether he plays and it sounds like, yeah, it's, it's on the, it's on the side of unlikely uh, in terms of whether he gets on the field this week, but you know, so beyond him, obviously KJ Osborne's also dealing with an injury. I think uh, I can't, I can't recall what it is, but you know, concussion. Jordan Addison. Yes, concussion, right? And Jordan Addison is kind of this guy who was a top top pick, right? The Vikings mm-hmm. have, you know, maybe I don't want to say reach for him, but it's like you kind of look. It's like okay, man, they added a Jordan Addison to an offense with Justin Jefferson. It seems like how many number ones can you have? But you know, it's worked out because they miss, Justin missed time, and Jordan seems like he hasn't missed a beat. Forty-one catches, five hundred thirty-four yards, and seven touchdowns which is pretty crazy just in terms of any wide receiver to have seven touchdowns through nine weeks. What, ha- what, what makes him so difficult to cover uh, in this offense? Yeah, if you watch Jordan Addison get a free release, it's like his first step, he's already at full speed. He's right. got some of the, the craziest foot talent that I've seen. Um, if you watch him in the drills, like throughout training camp or in practice where they're doing sort of like the high knees or the quick feet drills – he's moving at a different speed than everybody else. So he's got sort of this like really good tight area movement and he plays bigger than his size. So he's only about five, nine, five, 10, right. But he catches everything in his catch radius and beyond. He doesn't play like a small receiver. He plays like a big receiver. Uh, He's very comfortable taking on, that contact at the catch point, good contested catch guy. So even though he's small in stature, um, he's proven to be so far pretty durable this season after dealing with some preseason injury issues. Crazy fast. I mean, his separation is the secret sauce. That's why they drafted him. They believed in him from day one. They thought he could be a starter. They needed to replace Adam Thielen. And it honestly, it didn't take long for Jordan Addison to separate himself above KJ Osborne. Like, I mean, he became the number two to Jefferson in about a month, month and a half. And now with Jefferson out, I think Addison's pretty clearly the number one. I doubt Osborne plays. So all the attention is going to be on Jordan Addison. And that'll be interesting because I think now if you're devoting your best against Addison as the number one, that'll be a real test for Jordan. Probably his biggest test of the year against a good secondary that you have. Uh, obviously looking at another weapon on that offense, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, how's he feel like he's been doing uh, year two with that offense? And how surprising was it that they were able to do a, you know, you never see that trade within the division. And it's just questionable. I was like, wow, I couldn't believe Detroit was willing to give up that weapon to face him twice a year. Yeah, I think Detroit was just, uh, you know, giving us, th- they were throwing us a bone because we traded them the pick that they used to get Jamison Williams. So they said, ah, we'll give one back to you. Here's TJ <laughs> Hawkinson. Uh, it, it's funny because they, remember Detroit started off, I think, one in seven last year. They were going nowhere. Dan Campbell was on the hot seat. They trade Hawkinson. They traded these assets. And then they got red hot. 
<laughs> and now in retrospect, I got to believe Detroit would like to have Hawkinson back, knowing what they know now, that they're a, a division-leading team, and they've won like 13 of their last 15 regular season games. Ah, that, that trade looks bad for them, I think, in retrospect. Uh, but Hawkinson stepped in here kind of Dobbs-like, honestly, in his very first week with the team last year. He had a virtuoso performance, barely knowing the playbook, and he's just kept it right on going. People got a little upset with him earlier this year, had some drop issues. He he had a ball hit off his hands in the end zone that cost them the game against the Chargers in week three. But he is the safety net. He is the sort of that that comfortable underneath option that Dobbs can find, even if he doesn't, you know, know some of the routes developing downfield, TJ Hawkinson's going to be right there. Uh, he does a lot of chipping at the line. He he's got good contested catch ability, big, you know, catch radius. He's just reliable. Um, he's going to be good for six, seven catches and 60 yards a game, very consistently. And he's been playing through uh, some oblique pain, some rib stuff going on right now. I think he's going to be good to go Sunday, but, He's been a wonderful safety net for this offense with uh, Kirk Cousins before, and now it looks like Josh Jobs going forward. Yeah, so one, one unique thing about this this uh, Vikings defense is, you know, it, it has an elite pass rusher in terms of, I think, Dan, Daniel Hunter. I almost said Danielle. Daniel Hunter has 10 mm -hmm. sacks. I think that might lead the NFL at this point. Yep. But it's also a team that blitzes more than any team in the NFL. And so I am, I'm curious. So this this Brian Flores defense, obviously, it's it's very amorphous. Like you're showing a lot of looks. You're not bringing everybody. You're dropping out. Sometimes you're bringing everybody. Sometimes you're bringing nobody. What has that been? Kind of the theme for this defense is pressure, pressure, pressure. And when you can't get pressure, it it can open up a little bit because I think that's kind of what that would lend you to believe is if you're not getting pressure with Daniel Hunter or these blitzes, there's probably some room to work on the back end. Yeah, um, it took about a month for this to kind of come into shape. There were a couple games against elite quarterbacks early in the year. Justin Herbert in particular, Patrick Holmes to some extent as well, where they brought the blitz very liberally. And you're going up against some of the best quarterbacks in the league against the blitz. Like Herbert has killed blitzes forever. And they blitzed him like an absurd amount and he torched them. And people were saying, well, you're bringing all this pressure, but you're not getting home. But over time, They've gotten a little more effective at getting to the quarterback. Hunter is heated up, obviously. The secondary seems to put themselves in a lot of advantageous positions, and it's really come together the last five weeks. Granted, they've played some backup quarterbacks that have made them look good. They played Bryce Young, who made them look really good. Tyson Bajant, Taylor Heineke, like that's going to make your defense look better, but you see this group coming to coming together very cohesively where there's really only one star. Daniil Hunter's a star. Harrison Smith, in the twilight of his career, he's, he's a good player too. But you just have a lot of solid players throughout. And they're all looking... The guys that were around last year in the Ed Donatel defense are almost universally looking better under Brian Flores. And that aggression, blitzing 50 to 60% of the time... Uh, that confuses offenses and it gets quarterbacks off their rhythm. Uh, Derek Carr has been pretty good against the Blitz this year, but I think they're going to, you know, he's always been a very aggressive deep ball thrower. I think they're going to force him to make those quicker throws, kind of like he did against Chicago last week, and, uh, you know, make them drive the field on you. They're not going to let him beat you with one big throw. 
Yeah, one one other statistical thing that I think is interesting is I just looked this up. Just you know, so the top twenty tacklers in the NFL, nineteen of them are linebackers. The only non-linebacker is Cameron Bynum, who's a safety. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm just like curious. So what 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 has it been about this defense that has its safety him, right? making eighty tackles? Eighty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the uh, Flores has been the safety whisperer, and they play <laughs> three safeties on most downs. Bynum. So he's basically a small linebacker. Harrison Smith. But but not Bynum, though. Bynum is more of a true safety. Josh Metellus okay. is the wild card. Metellus is going to be the rover that plays a little linebacker, a little slot, a little safety. He's on the field a ton. But Bynum is having a career year, third year in the league. He's really taken the leap. And he's one of those guys that is always around the ball. He's dropped a couple interceptions as well. But he's had. I think he's got three picks this year. It could be six. Uh, he's had a really terrific campaign. He's been showing a lot more physicality, kind of crashing downhill in, in run support. And that's where, he, you know, tackles for guys in the secondary aren't always good representations because it means right. that people are catching the ball close to you and then you're wrapping them up. It means but, that they're, the ball is there. <laughs> but <laughs> Correct. But if you look at the, yeah, like the analytics would show that Bynum is truly, you know, earning these tackles. He's getting run stops. He's been really supportive in uh in you know the outside run force so i think that that's a legitimate 80 tackles there for bynum where he is one of the best players if not the best players at least aside from daniel hunter on this defense you you mentioned uh in the beginning uh with josh dobbs and you know the offense obviously what are some of the key factors you think for this team for the vikings to be able to you know, they're two and a half point underdogs right now in Vegas at home. Mm. And the outlook, like you mentioned, it's it's that can this guy do it another week in a row for this team? Or is he going to come back to earth? But what do you see as the biggest factor for Minnesota to be able to pull out the victory this week? Yeah, just take care of the ball. That's been their problem all season. They're 29th okay. in. That, in yeah, that's been a, a big plus for the Saints there. <laughs> Taking it away. Yeah. Yeah, what, what was it? Were the Saints a plus five last week against Chicago? Right, that was nuts. Yeah, there were. Yeah, and you know, the Vikings have fumbled away a lot of games. It's not like their quarterbacks have made terrible decisions and been turnover prone. They've just fumbled, and it's been a bunch of different culprits. It's been Justin okay. Jefferson. It's been Brandon Powell. It's been Alexander Madison. Um, and Josh Dobbs last week fumbled three times, lost two. Right, yeah. Got to hang on to the ball. And usually, you know, fumble luck, quote unquote, that's something that kind of regresses back to the mean. So if you do it a bunch, it's probably not going to continue that way. And the Vikings are just waiting for that to sort of settle down. You can only emphasize it so much in practice, but at some point you you just got to stop fumbling. TJ Hawkinson's fumbled. I mean, you can look at half a dozen different players that have put the ball on the ground, often at very inopportune times. That's how you stay in the game is you don't turn the ball over. So if Josh Dobbs can play turnover free, I think they've got a very good chance uh, to win this football game. But they, you know, Dobbs is a little bit of a high variance quarterback. Um, When you're mobile, you put yourself at risk to fumble the football more. Um, He has, you know, made plenty of mistakes in his tenure with the Arizona Cardinals. So I think we've yet to see how Dobbs fares in maybe a little more stable offensive system. He wasn't set up for a lot of success in Arizona. Now that he's got more around him, a better infrastructure in Minnesota, can they mitigate some of those mistakes that he might have made before? That's going to be the big question for me.
Yeah, the, the game that stands out just because it was national televised game and I watched it was the week two. I think it was Thursday night football. Uh, I think I have four fumbles lost in that game. And yep. like her cousins, four touchdowns, no interceptions, but four fumbles lost and four different players. So I think that goes back to what you're talking about. Like, like mistake prone football will lose you a lot of games regardless of how well you are playing. But we're talking to Sam Ekstrom, host uh, of several podcasts, but executive producer of Lockdown Minnesota. He also calls a lot of Gophers hockey games. Check him out on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom, E K S T R. Oh, M. And a final question before you go: What is your score prediction for this game? Is is the Vikings' run uh, going to continue in in Week Ten, or do you think the Saints get it done? Yeah, I'm. I guess I'm going to go the homer pick. Um, Vikings have had the Saints' number. Um, don't need to tell you guys that. But twenty three twenty would be my final score prediction. I sense a late field goal coming. Vikings haven't. Uh, had sort of the walk-off field goal situation yet this year. I think that maybe this is the the week for it. So 23-20, Vikings over Saints. Uh, Josh Dobbs runs for a touchdown, throws for a touchdown, also throws a pick six in the game. That's my uh, very specific prediction. Ooh. See, I, I don't know what you're talking about because I have blocked every memory of Viking Saints games from my brain for the last five five plus years. So, I, I mean, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Anyway, uh, yeah. thank, Fair thanks enough. so much, Sam. Uh, appreciate appreciate you coming on here as always. Thanks, guys. Thank you, man. Thanks again to Sam for coming on. You know, I I think again, it's like this is a. I, I think the Vikings are kind of playing with house money right now. And uh, yeah, this, the Saints, you know, one of these teams is going to is going to come out of this game feeling real, real good about themselves. And they're going to be six and four. And they're going to be like, man, like a lot of stuff has gone wrong, but we figured it out. We're on the right track. And the other team is going to be like, Ey. although like maybe not for the Vikings. I think, like I said, the Vikings are going to be five and five if they lose and, you know, feel like, well, we, we are way better off than we should have probably expected to be knowing that we were without our star wide receiver and, you know, Trying to going one and one with Josh Dobbs in there is probably a good thing. Anyway, um, I think it's it's a really interesting matchup, and I think it's going to come down to whether the Saints can stop Josh Dobbs from running. That's that's definitely scary considering what we saw him do last week. And yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't believe what we saw out of Bajin, uh, Bajin, uh with the Bears. I didn't think he was going to be that mobile for crying out loud. Amazing what what a game against the Saints will do for you. Although yeah. Josh Dobbs, he is the second most rushing yards of any quarterback this year. I know I'm surprised by that. Only Lamar's yeah. ahead of him. I mean, Justin Fields would probably be ahead of him if he didn't get hurt, right? So there's there's something there. But either way, like that's not that's not an accident, you know. So that's this something that he does well, and something that the Saints don't defend well. And that's not a good combination. <laughs> but all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back. We're going to get into a little bit more of these pressure stats because I think they're really interesting. And then we're going to pick some some my guys, my guys who we think are who we think are going to get the job done. But all right, I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. This is Inside Black and Gold. Stick the heck around. What else are you doing?